I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. And that's what we're going to look at this morning in this account. Genesis chapter 32, an encounter with God. An encounter with God. This is a familiar passage, a familiar story. And it is one that we've heard since we were in Sunday school. We've heard it preached. We've heard it taught. We've read it. But I want to take our hearts and minds back to it this morning. Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 24. Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched, the man touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, were Israel a prince of God, as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. As he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. In this story, an amazing account of a man wrestling with God, or as we used to say, wrestling with God. How many of y'all say wrestling? Okay. Rest, the rest of you got to learn how to pronounce it properly. It's wrestling. I remember growing up as a kid, we used to watch some of the wrestling. And um, what I always loved was people that thought it was real. You know, there's always those people that think, of course, some, you know, hey, let me tell you something. Anytime a guy that's six foot five, weighs 350, can get up and walk the top rope of a, of a ring, that takes some talent. That's some athleticism right there, buddy, I'm going to tell you. And if he can pick another 350-pound guy up over his head and spin him around three or four times, that's some strength right there. Because let me tell you, I can barely get my however many pounds up every morning out of bed, much less up over my head. But I remember watching those wrestling matches, and I remember a few wrestling matches that I had myself with my brother occasionally, more often with my dad. I enjoyed, you know, tussling and wrestling, and we had a great time. But this wrestling match is a wrestling match like no other. It is a, it is a fight between Jacob and God. And God has come in a, in a human form. This is what we call a Christophany in which God appears in the Old Testament in human flesh. And he encounters Jacob in this moment. Jacob is on his way to meet his brother Esau. He fears for his life because the last time he met Esau, things were not so good. He had cheated Esau and he had mistreated Esau and stolen his birthright. And so he's headed that way. He knows that Esau was headed toward him with soldiers and armed men who were coming, and it doesn't look good. And so Jacob sends his family ahead of him, and then he stays back, and in this moment he encounters God. I'm reminded of another story that I heard as I, as I was studying this passage. Some of you all may remember a number of years ago a, a wrestler by the name of um, Alexander uh, Carolyn, who was a Russian wrestler in the Olympics. This wrestler, he was a three-time Olympic champion. And in these number of years that he was the Olympic champion, he had gone 13 years without losing a match. Now, I'm not talking about the, 
the professional kind, the, the WWDS or whatever the, all the letters are, WWJD, what would, Je not, what would Jesus do? Uh, <laughs> Jesus definitely wouldn't wrestle, but well, he did here, I guess, so they, I guess it does sort of fit. Whatever the rest, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about where they actually get in and, and wrestle, and so he, if you ever saw this Russian champion, he was a, man, he was like, built like a stone wall. I mean, he just looked like the kind of guy that could um, beat Popeye up. I mean, he was, he was tough, and he wrestled in the 2000 Olympics against a big old fellow from, I believe it was Wyoming or Idaho, by the name of Ruan Gardner. How many of y'all remember that? Some of y'all remember that match? Nothing was expected for Rulon. They didn't expect that he would win. In fact, there were dignitaries there to watch this Russian win. Henry Kissinger was there. The president of the IOC was there to award the gold medal. And in the end of that match, Rulon Gardner did the unexpected and beat the Russian and won his first gold medal of what would be several. When they interviewed him, and this is what struck me, they inter interviewed Rulon. He said this, he said, it's not like I tried to win, I just refused to give up. And he said, I finally heard my opponent say these words, I give up, I yield. He said, I just, I wasn't, wasn't like I was trying to beat him, I just refused to give up. And I'm reminded of what Jacob says in this passage, I will not let you go until you bless me. That is the kind of tenacity, that is the kind of perseverance that we must have in prayer and seeking after God. God, I am not going to quit. I may kneel in prayer and I may get up off my knees, but I am not going to quit. I am not going to let you go until you bless me. This encounter with God that, that Jacob has is an amazing thing, and it tells us some things about our personal encounters with God. When we think about this, I want to just quickly, by way of introduction, give you two words about God that the Bible teaches us that are relevant to our understanding of this. One truth is, is that God is exalted above all. God is exalted above all. We use the word for this sometimes, the transcendence of God. God transcends. He is above everything. In fact, his name, one of his names in scriptures is, he is the most high. He is the one who is exalted above all, the Bible says. He is above the heights. He is above the heavens. He is the one who rules in the heights. Time and time again, it reminds us of the greatness and the power and the majesty and the glory and the transcendent beauty of our God, that he is exalted above all. And we worship him because he is exalted above all. But there's a second truth, and we see this come into play in this passage and in so many other passages, and that is not only that God is exalted above all, God is near to his people. Aren't you glad that God is not, as Jeremiah would put it in certain words, God is not just a God far off. He is a God who is nigh. He is a God who is near. There are many of you and I know others in our church family who are walking through some difficult times and they're experiencing some trials and they are glad that God is a God who is close to them. I spoke with someone just this week and they were talking about what they had been through and the physical challenges they had been through and they said, God has walked with me every step of the way. 
How many of us this morning can testify that we have walked through some tough paths and God has walked with us every step of the way? He is a God who is near. He is a God who draws close to us. This is especially true in a personal and intimate and covenant way. He is a God who is close. He says about 12 times in the book of Genesis, I will be with you. Throughout the book of Exodus, he talks about the presence of God with his people. And you can go through the scripture all the way to the book of Revelation where he says in Revelation chapter 21 that the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God will be with men and we will, he will be their God and we will be his people. There is a relationship, there is a nearness. I am glad this morning that my God is exalted above all, but I am glad that he is near to me. In Jesus, this is perfectly expressed. You remember the name that is given to Jesus in Matthew chapter 1? His name shall be called Emmanuel, which is interpreted God, the transcendence. He is exalted above all, is with us. God, with us. God, deity, with us, humanity. In his humanity, he came near to where we are, and he has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities and all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Boy, that's a powerful truth that we have a God who is near to us, a God who personally encounters us. Because of these truths, I don't just know about God, I get to know God. I'm going to say that again, I'm not sure everybody got that. I, just don't, I don't just get to know about God, I get to know God. Why? Because he has drawn near to me. I have no right. I am not worthy to draw near to him. But he has come to where we are. God is a God who reveals. This is what John talks about in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1 when he says, The things that I'm writing to you are the things that we have looked upon with our eyes. We have seen these things. We have heard with our ears. We have touched the word of life. John was saying, I sat in the presence of God. I saw him in the flesh. I touched him. I heard him speak. He was real. He was not something that just seemed to be real as some were beginning to believe in that time. He was real and he was present with me. Let me remind us this morning that God is not just a God who is afar off, that he's just some thought, some theory, some theology and doctrine. He is a God who is real in our lives. Yes, my God is real. He is real in my soul. The truth of God's reality and His presence. This means that we get to experience God in a real and personal way. He is not the God that is far off. He is the God, just far off. He is the God that is near. This means that our knowledge of Him is not just theoretical. It is experiential. I don't just know about God. God has been at work in my life. The God, it's, it's one thing to know the scripture says he will never leave us nor forsake us, but it is another thing to feel deserted by everyone in this world and yet feel God with us and know that God is with us, not just because we feel it, but because we know it to be true. And we experience that. It's one thing to say that he is our God and our peace. It's another thing to practically and experientially know the peace that passes all understanding. 
Some of you have experienced that. You know that peace that passes understanding. You can't explain it. You've been in that moment, and you have felt the trouble of your soul, and yet by faith, God works in your life, and you suddenly, for no reason whatsoever, other than that it is God at work, you experience His peace. And the God who is our peace, Jehovah Shalom, becomes Jehovah Shalom, our peace in our life. It means that our walk with Christ is more than just devotional. It is practical. It is personal. And it means that our worship of God is not just form. It is a living worship because we worship a living God. That's what these truths tell us. And God is the one who chooses to engage us where we are. He is a God who walked with Adam in the garden. He is a God who joined three men in the fire in the book of Daniel. He is a God who joined humanity and was born in a manger. He is a God who ate breakfast with his disciples. He is a God who wrestled with Jacob. And he is a God who will walk with us through our lives. We get to experience him. Now... There are different ways that we encounter God. For Jacob, it was wrestling. For others, it may be walking with God. For others, it may be waiting on God. Sometimes we encounter God when we're worshiping Him. And we experience His presence. We know His presence. Not every encounter with God is going to be as dramatic as this one. Not every encounter with God is an all-night fight. But let me tell you, there have been some times when I have wrestled with the Lord through the hours of the night. I'm hoping and praying that He has sanctified me beyond some of that because I have reached the age when all-nighters just don't do me as well as they used to. Can I get an amen from most of us in here? It's not an experience, but let me tell you that we come out the other side having experienced and encountered God. And whether it's in the middle of the night or whether it's in the middle of the day, whether it's hours long or whether it's moments, whether it's months long, an experience with God will touch you and make a difference in you that nothing else can. Let me point out to you briefly this morning in this text, in this account, three ways that an encounter with God will make a difference in your life. And as we see this, I hope that you will pray for God to give you a fresh encounter with Him. I'm not talking about an experience that's contrary to God's Word. I'm talking about the truth of God's Word becoming a living, breathing reality in our experience and in our lives. A God who is imminent. A God who is present in our lives. I want you to see, first of all, that an encounter with God will impact you personally. It will impact you personally. Jacob... Jacob's father and grandfather have worshipped God. They have experienced God. Abraham has demonstrated his faith. Isaac has talked with God and seen God at work in his life. But Jacob has not yet experienced in the way that he is about to. He has not yet experienced God. And if you look at the way he describes his God, back in chapter 28... When he comes to Bethel for the first time and he lays down that first night that he's run away from home and he puts his head on a pillow and falls asleep. Let me tell you, that's clear evidence that Jacob was a young man. Because I don't tell you what, you put your head, if I put my head on a stone, 
I've got to place, I need about 17 pillows under my head to, to make, get my, myself comfortable and sleep. You put, man, put my head on a stone, there's going to be some visions, but it's not going to be sleeping dreams. But Jacob lays his head on that stone and he begins to have this vision of, of the angels ascending up and down into heaven. He realizes there's something special about this place. And when God speaks to him, he says, I am the God of your father Abraham. And I am the God of your father Isaac. When Jacob encounters his uncle Laban and he speaks with him, he talks with him and he says, the God of my father Abraham and the God of my father Isaac. And even in chapter 32, in the early part of this chapter, when he is praying to God, he says, O oh God of my father Abraham, O oh God of my father Isaac, he is the God of my fathers. He is the God that I know about. He is the God that I've heard about. He's the God that I've even talked to and I've had some experience with. But he has not yet encountered God in the way that he will. And something dramatically happens. And if you look at the end of chapter 33, after this account is over, notice what he does. He erected there an altar and he called it Elohi Israel, the God of Israel. It's no longer just the God of Abraham, and it's no longer just the God of Isaac. It's no longer just the God of my fathers. Jacob says, this God is my God. He is mine. It is personal. It is no longer living vicariously through the relationship of others. And let me say that there are those who come to church every Sunday, and they try to live vicariously spiritually through the pastor's experience. And they try to live vicariously through the experience of those around them. And there may be some, my mom was a Christian, my dad was a Christian, my grandparents were a Christian. Let me tell you that it has to be a personal experience and a personal relationship with Almighty God. And I am so thankful for the day when God worked in my life, and as a teenager, when I began to say, is this what I believe because I believe it, or is it just because that's the only thing I've ever heard and I've ever been taught, and I, I believe that it's so, but do I believe it for myself? And God began to work in my life, and I began to study and read and get in the Word of God and pray and seek to know God. And it was no longer, this is my grandparents' God. This is no longer just Abraham's God and Isaac's God. No longer just my parents' God. He is my God. And that is a personal experience. You need to have a personal experience and personal encounter with God. Some people are living in the experiences of the past. Somebody else experienced God and we heard about it. But when God is real in our lives, and He will be, he will be, if we will seek after Him, if we will say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It's a personal. He will impact you personally. But notice also it will impact you permanently. This affected Jacob for the rest of his life. God touches his thigh and it's out of joint. Some say it was just a temporary thing, but apparently the people of Israel acknowledged this for generations to come. It seems like this was an ongoing thing. Jacob was never the same after having run into God, after having wrestled with God. An encounter with God will leave you changed. And it will be something that will be ongoing through your life. Even after you've encountered God and salvation, there is still work that needs to be done. None of us are where we need to be. Someone said years ago, I can't remember who I heard say it, 
Salvation is not the end of our search for God. Salvation is just the beginning of our search to know God. Some people say, hey, I trusted Christ as my Savior. I encountered Him in salvation. He is my Savior, and that's all that I need. I'm ready to go. I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm going to ride that glory train, and I'm going to heaven, and that's all that I need. Let me tell you, that is just the start of seeking to know Him and encounter Him and engage with God as a personal Lord, as a personal God. Not just one that I've heard about, not just one that I know some truths about, but one that I have experienced for myself. My truth is not based on my experience, but I am so glad that God gives us experience that is based on the truth that He's revealed. He is a God that makes a difference in our hearts. Even if you've experienced God in the past, He is a God of the present. He is a God of the future. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't just settle for living on past blessings. Don't just settle for what God used to do or what you used to do for God, or you used to experience with God. Someone has said, if you don't feel as close to the Lord as you used to, who moved? It wasn't God. It used to be a great story about a couple that was an older couple that was riding down the road. They passed a pickup truck. Back in some years ago, I don't know if they still do this or not, but we used to call it trucks that takes two to drive. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. Looked like a two-headed driver. The young lady was all the way over there next to the driver, and they're going down the road, and the wife looked over at the husband, and she said, you know, I can remember when we used to sit like that. And the husband looked down and said, I'm sitting in the same spot I've always been. <laughs> if you're not as close to God as you used to be, who moved? It wasn't God. Don't settle for past blessings. Watch and pray and seek God and don't let him go until you have a fresh encounter with God. It will be a permanent, it's an ongoing, progressive experience of God at work in our lives. There's some of you maybe sitting here this morning that at one time you were really serving God, you were really walking with God, you experienced God. Maybe it was at a camp experience, student. maybe it was a revival, adults, maybe it was a, a special time in your life when you were really close to God and walking with God and now you're not, you need that fresh encounter with Him. It will impact you powerfully. When Jacob walks away from this, the Bible says he walks with a limp. And every step he takes, he is reminded of his weakness. He is reminded, wait a minute, powerfully. He said in verse 28, as a prince thou hast power with God and with man. He says, you've got power in your life, Jacob. You've got power not only with the people around you, you've got power with God. And yet, Jacob leaves this with a greater sense of his weakness. It reminds me of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he says, when God said, my grace is sufficient for thee, Paul said, "Most, I will glory in my infirmities. Why? that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Jacob didn't walk away with this with a sense of how great he was. <laughs> I out-wrestled God. He didn't walk away with this with a sense of how wonderful he was. He walked away with a sense of God's power and strength and his weakness. This doesn't mean that Jacob was perfect from here on out. 
Jacob did some things that were wrong. Jacob had later, just chapters later, has to come back to Bethel and encounter God again and renew that worship with God and experience God again. But he walks away and there is a power on his life. Are we willing to be weakened in the flesh so that God's power may be seen through us spiritually? Are we willing to be weakened? Are we willing to be humbled so that God may be glorified through us? Are we willing to be less so that He may be more in us and through us? John the Baptist said in John chapter 3 and verse 30, He must increase, I must decrease. It was powerful, but it was a powerful reminder of his need for God. An encounter with God will not leave you with a deeper sense of your own greatness. An encounter, a true encounter with God will leave you realizing how low and how sinful and how weak we are. Isaiah chapter 6, I saw also the Lord seated upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. What a wonderful vision Isaiah sees. He sees the greatness and the glory of God. But when he comes into the presence of God, what does he say? He says, woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Do you see that transcendence? He's the King, the Lord of hosts. He's exalted above all. But my eyes have seen Him. When the God who is exalted above all comes close, it is a reminder of our weakness. And it is only in that weakness and that encounter with the greatness of God that God can truly work through us. There's a legendary story about the great violinist Paganini. He was a little bit of a showman, and some people think he did this on purpose to just show how, how good Paganini was. But he learned to, he wrote some music early in understanding his life that could be played on one string on a violin. He was challenged. He had written some that could be played on two strings, they say. And someone challenged him, said, if you can write beautiful music on two strings, surely you can do it on one. So he knew some music that he could play on one string. And one night, playing to a house full of great audience, he began to play. And as he played, one of the strings on his violin snapped. With three strings, he continued, and he played some more. And then the second string snapped. He continued to play on two strings until the third string snapped, and he finished the concert playing masterfully on one string. A weakened, broken, flawed instrument in the hands of a master musician used to create beautiful music. Let me tell you that every one of us is just a broken, flawed, weak instrument. But when we encounter God and we are in the hands of the master musician, God is able to take our weakness. God is able to take our feebleness. God is able to take our flaws, and he is able to do something amazing and beautiful through them. God doesn't choose the wise. Not many wise, my brethren, are chosen. Not many great in the world's eyes, Paul says, are chosen, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And that is what God does through us when we have encountered Him, when God weakens us so that He may be strong in and through us. Have you had an encounter with God 
there may be somebody here this morning that has never, ever had an encounter with God in salvation. I'm not talking about a tingle up and down your neck and your spine. I'm not talking about a, an emotional experience, though there may be emotion involved in it. There usually is when God works in us. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not even talking about being baptized. I'm talking about trusting Christ as your Savior. Encountering Him. If you feel the Holy Spirit drawing your heart this morning, that is an encounter with God. He is the one that is speaking to you. He is the one who is telling you that you need to trust Christ as your Savior. You've maybe been looking for, maybe you've been looking for love in all the wrong places. I want to tell you the right place is to know God. And this morning, if you acknowledge that you are a sinner and you cannot save yourself, but you believe that Jesus died for your sins and paid for your sins and rose again from the dead, the Bible says if we will confess Him as our Lord and Savior, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can encounter God this morning. You can encounter Him right there in your seat. You can pray and talk to Him. You don't have to come to this altar. Or you may come to this altar. And we can take the Word of God and we can show you how you can have a salvation encounter with the God of this universe. There may be Christians here this morning. It's been a long time since you've encountered God. That you can say, not just, this is what God used to do. This is what I experienced a long time ago. But no, this is what I want to experience now. And you may come to this altar and you may get up and you may not experience that. You may not have that encounter that you're praying for. But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to begin somewhere to begin to say, God, I am seeking after you. I want to walk with you daily. I want to know you. I want to have a personal experience and conversation and walk and life with you. And it will begin now. And I will not quit. I will not let you go until you bless me. Every single believer here needs to have fresh encounters with God. And let me tell you that as a church, we need to have a fresh encounter with our God. Father, I pray this morning that you will speak to hearts and draw. Lord, you're the one who does that work. And I ask you this morning to work in us, to have that desire, not just to talk about you, not just to know about you, but to know you. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name.